chapter 1 in verse number 18 so it's going to be a passage of scripture I mean we are we're in the advent season we're in the Christmas season and so this is a passage of scripture you're going to be familiar with so Matthew chapter 1 uh, verse number 18 we'll look there in just a few moments now I know that uh, that what most of us are going to be doing I'd say all of us are going to be doing is we're going to be getting ready for this coming uh, was it Wednesday whenever we celebrate Christmas now I don't know what y'all do on Christmas um, I'm going to share with you what we what we are doing this year. In the next, of course, in the next couple of days, we're going to be up in Chattanooga where Emily's family is, and we're going to be celebrating Christmas with them. And I, I do I enjoy going there. Uh, I enjoy I, I love the mountains. I think the mountains are beautiful. Emily's mother is uh, very unlike my mother in that her mother actually cooks, and so I'm excited. Her mom is the food editor for the paper up in Chattanooga, so she knows how to cook. So it's always a lot of fun to go up there, go up there and eat. But as much as I enjoy being there, uh, there is one thing that absolutely drives me crazy when we're at Emily's parents' house. And my wife's at the back, so I'm not saying anything out of school here. Uh, so uh, it, it is the family picture for Christmas. Now, do y'all do that? Do y'all do the big family picture? You got the whole family there. And it is misery. I mean, we sit there and we get everybody on the, the little steps in their house and you're trying to take a picture with people, make sure nobody, you know, they, they take like 600 pictures because there's always one person that's got one eye closed in the picture. We got to do the whole thing over again. And so it's just frustrating. But, but what is even a little more strange is whenever you get the picture back and, and you look at it. And, and, here's, and so this is where I am now in my life. I'm looking at the picture and I'm like, who is that old guy sitting next to Emily? And then I'm like in shock because, you know, I look so much better in the mirror than I do in like a photograph. And I'm like, what happened to me? And so that is, you know, my, my perception of the way I look is, is really a little bit different than reality. And, and I think that is what happens for a lot of us when it comes to Christmas. You know, our perception of what Christmas is is, is really, it is totally different than what is reality. I mean, whenever we think of Christmas, there's, I was talking to some people this morning. Here's what they think of Christmas. Christmas is all about stress. You know, we're stressing out about family coming over. We're stressing out about getting gifts. Uh, for other people, it's about, you know, getting together to eat. It's about being with family. And those are all, well, not the stress part, but the other things are, you know, those are, those are good things. But I want to share something with you. That, that's not what Christmas is. Uh, Christmas is not about just the family being together. It's not about having a good time. It's not about giving gifts. What, what Christmas is about, ultimately, it is about this. It is about love. Now, how is it about love? Well, it is about love because what happened on Christmas is that God sent his son, Jesus, to break into our world because he loves people. And because he desires people to be reconciled, to be regenerated through a relationship with his son. And so today we are concluding our Advent series by focusing in on love. Now today what we're doing is we're going to be taking a look at a, a player in the Christmas story that is oftentimes overlooked. And whenever we go through the Christmas story and you will hear people like me preach on Christmas, uh, we, we generally, we focus in, you know, we focus in on Mary, 
Uh, we like to tell the story, like last week we talked about the wise men, we like to talk about the shepherds, we talk about the angels, but today we're going to talk about a guy that I really think is one of the heroes of Christmas, and it's Joseph. We're going to take a look at Joseph, and we're going to see that Joseph, on the very first Christmas, one of the things that he was motivated by the most in his relationship with his wife, it was love. And it was love because he responded to her in a way that I believe many people would not. And so if you have your Bible, we're going to look in verse number 18 in just a few moments. But you know the basic story of Mary and Joseph. Mary and Joseph, they were engaged to get married. Uh, it looks like Mary was a, an upstanding young lady. You read about the life of Joseph. We're told in our scripture today he was a righteous man. He was a good man. But before they got married... Uh, there was something that I, I would say basically it was like a monkey wrench was thrown right into the midst of all their plans. Y'all, y'all remember what it was? Mary was with child. Uh, she was with child before marriage. Now I know that today we can say, well, it's really not that big of a deal. That happens all the time. Uh, as a matter of fact, I saw a statistic that said that uh, 40% of all births today take place outside of the marriage relationship. But you have to look at the context of the scripture. For people who had a desire to honor God, for people who had a desire to follow God, this this was devastating news. And, And to make it even more interesting is that Mary said, hey, listen, I'm with child, but it happened to me supernaturally. Now, we're used to hearing that story, but you'd have to say, well, that, that seems like a rather unbelievable story. And, and this was, you know, they were going to go to Bethlehem. This was not going to be news that was going to make for a very fun family reunion. But it's in the midst of all this turmoil that we see a few pictures of love that Joseph demonstrated on the very first Christmas. And the very first picture of love that we see that Joseph demonstrated that I believe we ought to emulate is mercy. He shared mercy in verse number 18. It says the birth of Jesus Christ came about this way. After his mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph, it was discovered, it says, before they came together that she was pregnant by the Holy Spirit. And so her husband Joseph, being, it says, a righteous man and not wanting to disgrace her publicly, decided to divorce her secretly. Now, it says that she conceived a child within her supernaturally. Now, we're so used to, if you've grown up in the church, you've grown up in the Christian culture, you know, we're so used to, to singing about the Virgin Mary. It's just, we just sort of kind of move right on through that and go, yeah, Jesus was born of a virgin. But when you take time to think about that, I mean, you think that sounds like on the surface, it sounds like a really bad excuse to what's happened. Hey, what happened? Well, I supernaturally conceived. And like I said before, while, while being pregnant before marriage today doesn't seem like that big of a deal, you know, it carried with it for a very faithful Jewish family, it carried with it serious ramifications. We're, we're told in Deuteronomy 22, verses 23 and 24, it says, If there's a young woman who is a virgin engaged to a man, and another man encounters her in the city and has sex with her, you must take the two of them out to the gate of that city, and it says, and stone them to death. The young woman, because she did not cry out in the city, and the man, because he's violated his neighbor's fiance, you must purge the evil from you. Now, even though Joseph and Mary were not, they were not married, they were pledged to one another. They were engaged. 
an engagement in this day, it's, it's different than our engagement. An engagement in this day, was, it, was, it was like being married. It's just you did not live together. You did not have a physical relationship. But if you were going to break off the engagement, you would go through a divorce process. And so, so what's going on here in this relationship? Well, Mary is with child. Now, regardless of, of what had happened, Joseph's life, it really was on the line here. It was a serious situation that he was involved in. And I, I believe that the natural response for any guy in this situation would be to look at Mary. She tells him, hey, I'm going to have a child. The natural response is, hey, I'm not the dad. You know, Deuteronomy 22 purge the evil from you. I'm thinking, you don't have to purge me out of this situation. I didn't have anything to do with this. You know, I mean, but whenever she was with child, it's, it's not like she could hide that forever, right? I mean, eventually people are going to start noticing, hey, you know, she looks like she's, looks like she's going to have a baby. But Joseph, I'm sure, didn't want to be held responsible for something that he didn't do. And so he had a decision to make at this point. Do I put her away? where she's going to be stoned to death or do I secretly disengage myself from her so that her life will be spared and he chose the latter which I, which I think is, is interesting he chose mercy and just think if he, if he would not have chosen mercy and he would have put Mary out then Mary could have been stoned to death which would have mean that we would have never known the child Jesus but when he chose mercy he was able to raise the Son of God, who one day would become known as one who had mercy. Now, you know, that there are a lot of times when we experience being wronged, and, you know, it's not our fault. You know, we get the short end of the stick sometimes. And whenever that happens and we get the opportunity to confront the person or maybe even get back at the person who wronged us, we have a choice to make. And the choice that I see that we ought to make is we ought to choose mercy. And I say, Why would I choose mercy? Because when you choose mercy, you are acting like the one who came for you. You're acting like Jesus. In Ephesians 4.32, it says, Be kind and compassionate, one to another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. And when you display mercy to someone, that mercy that you give to someone can change and transform that person's life. Now, one of my favorite stories is about a lady named Mary Bird. and She talked about when she was a little girl. She, I mean, she had, a, she had a cleft palate. And she said when she was in school that the kids would all make fun of her. And she tried to hide it. And she said she came to a point in her life where she thought, you know, nobody is ever going to love me who's outside my family. And so she just sort of reconciled herself to that. And people made fun of her. And she just sort of isolated herself from everyone else. And she said that, that all changed, though, whenever she had a hearing test that was done in her school. Now, this was a long time ago, and the way they used to do hearing tests is she said the teacher would sit at her desk, and the child would go to the doorway, and the teacher would whisper something to see if the child could hear. So she, typically, she'd whisper something like, the sky is blue. And the child would say, the sky is blue. Well, your hearing's good. I'm, that's pretty, pretty technical, isn't it? And uh, so, so the kid would come up there and say, I, I have new shoes. The kid would it back to her, and I have new shoes. And so Mary said she was listening, that it was her turn. And so she walked up there, and she said, and the teacher whispered something that changed her life forever. And the teacher whispered, I wish you were my child. And you know, I thought about that, and I thought, you know, that, that is what God has done for us. God whispers 
into your ear and my ear, and he says, I wish, even though you are deformed and messed up by sin, he says, I wish you were my child. Because you see, whenever you are a child of God, he changes and transforms your life and makes you different. In 2 Corinthians 5, 17, it says, if any man is as be in Christ, he is a new creation. It says, the old is gone, behold, the new has come. Joseph's act of mercy changed the trajectory of Mary's life, and because of that, it brought Jesus into this world. It was a picture of love. And so the first picture of love that we see on that very first Christmas, it is mercy. But another picture of love that we see is faith. There was faith that was involved in that very first Christmas. If you look in verse number 20, Joseph hears the news about how Mary has conceived a child, and it says, but after he considered these things, an angel of the Lord suddenly appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife. Why? Because what has been conceived in her is by the Holy Spirit. And she'll give birth to a son, and you are to name him Jesus, because he will save his people from his sins, from their sins. Now, all this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord to the prophet. See, the virgin will become pregnant, give birth to a son, and they will name him Emmanuel, which is translated, God is with us. Now, at the beginning of verse number 20, Joseph's trying to figure out what he's going to do. Am I going to put her away secretly, or am I going to turn her over to the authorities? And he came to the conclusion that he was secretly going to put her away so that she wouldn't be stoned to death. And so as he's contemplating these things, in verse number 20, it says an angel appeared to him and said, hey, Joseph, just take this stuff into thought right here. And he gives him a couple of things he wants him to think about. And the very first thing he tells them is he tells them, Joseph, do not be afraid. Okay, that's, that's, that's good to hear, but why would Joseph not be afraid? He had every reason to be afraid. And remember Deuteronomy 22? The lady outside of marriage becomes pregnant. They are to take the man and the woman outside the city gates and stone them to death. Now, not to mention the fact that, that Joseph's not responsible here. And so if he married her, I mean, there would be reasons to be afraid. It's like guilt by association. Why else should he not be afraid? Well, it's because it wasn't Mary's fault. The angel said, you need to understand, Mary conceived this child by the Holy Spirit. Now, now, what is that all about? And I'm going to be honest with you, I have no idea. The only thing I know to say is that is an absolute miracle. And then finally, Joseph was told that this child was going to be special. He said his name is to be Jesus. And that name Jesus, it means the Lord saves. So who is this child going to be? This, this child was not going to, it's not just like some regular birth. We talked about that last week. It's not some regular child that was born. It was a child who was born, who was coming in order to take away the sins of people. And then to give it more credibility, the angel quoted Isaiah chapter 7, which was written over 700 years before the birth of Jesus. He said, you shall call him Emmanuel which means God with us. And I also think it's interesting that as the angel was talking to Joseph, he called him Joseph, son of David. Now, now why did he call him son of David? Well, because the Messiah was going to come from the house of David. And it's like the angel saying, Joseph, let me get your attention a little bit more. You're from the right family, and the Messiah is going to come through you. 
Isaiah 7, 13 and 14. It says, Isaiah said, listen, house of David, is it not enough for you to try the patience of men? Will you also try the patience of my God? Therefore, the Lord himself will give to the house of David. He will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive, have a son, and name him Emmanuel. This child was going to be someone special. And Joseph had an important role to play in the life of this baby. Yeah, God had a plan for Joseph. Did you, God has a plan. God has a plan for this world. God has a plan for you as well. And his desire, like it was for Joseph, was for him and for you to know who you are in Jesus. Are, are your eyes open about who you can be in Christ? You know, in Ephesians 1, 18 and 19, it says, Pray that the perception of your mind may be enlightened so that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the glorious riches of his inheritance among the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power to us who believe, according to the working of his vast strength. God wants us to know who we are in Jesus, because when you know who you are in Jesus, man, it makes it so much easier for you to respond in faith. When you understand that God has a plan for your life, when you understand that God forgives sin, whenever you understand that God has prepared a place for you in heaven. So whenever Joseph was able to see that God had a plan for him, it gave him hope, even whenever everything looked impossible. Another thing that the angel shared with Joseph is this all came about by God's direction. You know, there are times when things happen in life and, and you kind of look at it and you just look at it from your, from your perspective without looking at it from a little bit further back of a view. You know, the, the Texas uh, Driving Handbook has a, a section there that talks about whenever, you were, whenever you're just sitting still, what your field of vision is. It's 180 degrees. But whenever you're driving 20 miles an hour, that field of vision is cut down by two-thirds drive another 20 miles an hour, it's cut down by another two-fifths. If you're driving 60 miles an hour, your field of vision is only as wide as the beams of your headlights. And I think a lot of us, we, we are going through life with really limited vision because we are speeding along in life trying to do everything ourselves without ever taking time to simply stop and be still and know God. And so we miss out on the bigger picture of life. We don't see what God's doing. And I, I look at Joseph, and Joseph was able to slow down and say, hey, quit trying to take matters into your own hands. And we see some pictures of love that came with that. We see the first picture of love is mercy. And then we see his faith, his faith that what God had to say was true. And then the final picture of love is obedience. In verse number 24, it says, when Joseph got up from sleeping, he did as the Lord's angel had commanded him. What did he do? He says he married her, but he did not know her intimately until she gave birth to a son, and he named him Jesus. You know, I'll talk to a lot of people who will tell me about their faith. They'll talk about how strong their faith is. But, you know, if you, if you just sort of scratch just a little beyond the surface, you begin to realize, well, they say they have a lot of faith, but the way they live their life is not a whole lot different than the way everybody else lives. What, what good is that kind of a faith? I believe in Jesus, but it doesn't change the way that I live. And then I'll, I'll see other people who will talk about their faith, and, and their faith is good as long as everything is sort of like going their way. And so 
when I look at Joseph, though, I, I see that, that his faith worked its way out in obedience. You see, you, you can't have one without the other. You can't be obedient without having faith. And you can't say that you're a person of faith if you are not willing to be obedient. Faith and obedience go together. And I, and I look at Joseph. I see that Joseph had faith, and his faith worked itself out in obedience. How so? Well, if you look in verse number 24, Joseph was commanded by the Lord to do some things, and Joseph did them. First thing he does, he married Mary. Now, now, was that an easy assignment? I'd have to say no. I mean, when he signed up to marry her, think about it from Joseph's perspective. He was setting himself up from, for ridicule. That's not your son. And yet he was going to marry her anyway. He decided to be obedient. He, he named the child Jesus. He was commanded to name the child Jesus, and he did it. Uh, Jer- Joseph heard God speaking to him, and so he obeyed. Now, now, men of God are obedient to what God says. Now, that's who men of God are. Men of God are going to be obedient to the leadership of God. But that doesn't make obedience easy. Now, in my, my book, if I'm going to be obedient to something, then I need to be rewarded for that. You know, if I, hey, I'm doing this, then the, the good things need to happen to me. Did you know that there are times when you can be obedient even to God and it doesn't mean good things? Matter of fact, it can make life a lot more complicated whenever you're obedient to God. For Joseph, y'all, it made life complicated for Joseph. You know, they got married and she was pregnant outside of wedlock. That doesn't look good. He was claiming it was not his child. That does not look good. But he was not interested in the praise of men. He was interested in the praise of God. And because he loved God, he was obedient. Now, like I said, if you side with God sometimes, that, that means it doesn't always mean the smooth road for you. You know, so If you side with God, and there's some of you that probably, probably experience this, he changes the way that you live, and when he changes the way that you live, that, that can impact your relationships. It can impact certain things that you used to do. It can change the habits that you have. You say, well, why does that happen? Because when, when Jesus touches your life, you change. You, you cannot come into contact with Jesus and stay the same. Let me give you a real easy example, and it's from this story. Mary had Jesus literally living inside of her. Think that was noticeable? I mean, maybe months one through three, not so noticeable. Hit, I would think, you know, by month four, you, would you think something's going on? Hey, something's going on. Let me tell you something very easy. You cannot have Jesus in you and it not show. It's true for Mary. Let me tell you something. It's true for you. You cannot have Jesus living inside of you and it not change you. Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are his creation, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared ahead of time so that we should walk in them. Now, are you walking in obedience with the Lord? I mean, does your life reflect that Jesus is a major figure in your life? Because if he is, people will be able to tell. People will be able to see it by the way that you live, by the choices that you make, by the way that you treat other people. Are you obedient to Jesus? Now, it could be this. It could be some of you, you look at this and, 
and you look at the story of Joseph, maybe, maybe for the first time, maybe your eyes are beginning to be open to Jesus. You say, you know what, I, I am ready to step out in faith. I am ready to trust this Jesus who we celebrate every year. I'm willing to put my life in his hands. Again, if you're ready to do that, then you can do it today. Thank you.